0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to ask you a question, and you don't have to answer this out loud. Actually, I'd prefer for you to not answer this out loud. Um, If you're one of the people that just blurts things out and you do that, that might be awkward because everyone else is going to just keep it to themselves. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but here's the question. What is a body for? I don't know if you spent very much time kind of wrestling with that question. What is a body for? Like, but why on earth are we here? And not only why are we here, but why are we here like this? And there may be some very quick, simple answers like, well, a body is just, this is what I go walking around in. This is what I play sports in. This is what we do stuff. This is how I drive a car. But the reality is the answer to that question is far more important to who you are and how you maneuver in the world, maybe than you've ever thought. And it's not a new question. From the beginning of time, women and men have been asking the question, what is a body for? What are we here for? Why did God make us like this? So in Psalm 8, the psalmist asked the question like this. He says, when I gaze to the skies and meditate on your creation, on the moon, stars, and all you have made, all of this incredible th- stuff that you have made, God, the beauty and the majesty of it. When I look at all of that, he says, I can't help but wonder why you care about mortals. Sons and daughters of men, specks of dust floating about the cosmos. And that's kind of the way that human beings function. Sometimes we ask a question, but we have an operative answer already. Like he already has an idea of what humans are and why we have bodies and what God is doing. We're just specks of dust floating about the cosmos. We're just your sons and daughters, but all this majestic stuff. But then he says this, but you have placed the son of man, humankind, human human beings, just beneath God and honored him like royalty, crowning him with glory and honor. That God has made us in this way that's just beneath God. In Psalm 114, the psalmist asks the question this way, goes about it this way, says, O eternal one, what is man, what is humankind? that you even care to know him or the son of man that you are mindful of him. I don't know if you've ever asked that question, but over and over in wisdom literature in all kinds of scripture, people are asking the question, what are we? What are we? Why do we exist? And why do we exist like this, in this form? What did God mean when he created us? What did God intend? When he scooped up the dust of the earth, formed us in God's hand, breathed life into our nostrils and created us. What's a body for? And that may be more of an important question than you've ever imagined. And so starting today and for the next five weeks, Ecclesia, we're gonna walk through this question. What is a body for? And I have to tell you that to do this well means that we're gonna have to give each other a lot of grace because there's so much to cover. There's so much to cover about the human body and about how we function in our bodies and the care of our bodies and sexuality and pain and trauma And guess what, somewhere along the lines, someone is gonna misspeak. We're gonna say something that you're gonna think, well, that's not quite the language that I heard someone say that we ought to be using on Twitter. Or there are gonna be some of us, like when I was raised, this is what we were taught to say. This this wasn't a bad thing to say then, but that's changed now. And whenever you talk about something highly sensitive, there is a danger of just misspeaking. And in conversations that you have with your family and your friends, with other members of our community, when you go out to lunch or when you're having coffee about what you heard and what you didn't heard and things that you had questions about, maybe in your small group, someone there could possibly misspeak. And so to handle this well means giving each other some grace and knowing that in a community like ours, the overwhelming abundance is that the people who you are in relationship with are people who are for you, who want the best for you. And the reality of life is that we are not going to reach the level of flourishing that is possible for us to reach if we don't talk about Our bodies and what God intended when he gave us bodies because the first major heresy in the Christian church as the church was just lifting off of the ground was this heresy called Gnosticism and the Gnostics believed a lot of different things lots of aspects to Gnosticism but the one the church rejected first was this idea that the Gnostics had, that the body didn't matter. That the only thing that really mattered was the spirit, the soul, which meant that you could do whatever you wanted with your body. You could do whatever you wanted to other people's bodies because it didn't really matter all of that much. That's what Gnostics believed. The word itself means knowledge. And if you had the knowledge, if you had the spirit, then what you did with your body didn't, didn't really matter at all anyway. And the church said, that's not quite right. But pretty soon after Gnosticism began to fade in the first and second century, there was another philosophy that rose up called platonic dualism. And platonic dualism basically said that the body and the soul are two different things, that they are separate, they are apart from one another. And you could see, where that would lead. Like if your body doesn't matter, if my body doesn't matter, and that leads to abuse and slavery, war, the subjugation of the physically less powerful, maybe like women, injustice all over the world? Because what difference would it make if your body doesn't matter? Or worse, part of early philosophy about the body was that not only did it not matter, that it was bad. So another question, and don't yell this one out either, But think about your favorite few curse words, which is why you shouldn't yell that out right now. (laughs) And in the English language, all of those words that we have for centuries now associated with something that's offensive or crass. For all of those words, at least one meaning, one connotation for most of our curse words has something to do with the physical body or a function of the body. And how long do you have to live with language that says that your body and what your body does is bad before you cross over in thought that your body is bad, that the human body body is bad. And so the early church didn't push back on these ideas just to push back against something, but because they were followers of Jesus and they knew that Jesus was a Jew and there is a long history of thought about who we are and how we are created, how we function. And that body of thought begins in Genesis, When this is what God says about you and I and our body and the way that we're created, God says, now let us conceive of a new creation, humanity, made in our image, fashioned according to our likeness. And let us grant them authority over all the earth, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the domesticated animals and the small creeping creatures of the earth. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image, created them male and female. Now, there are a couple of things that I love about this part of Genesis. And the first one is that when God gets around to creating humanity, we don't even get our own day. Like some of you like grew up going to churches and you were like VBS or Sunday school and you learned that little song about day one and day two and what God created and there's all this cool stuff that God created and when it finally gets around to creating humankind, like we get the same day as the wild beast. We don't even get our special day. But I love the fact that even though we don't get a special day, we do get a special place. And even more than that, we are created special in the image of God, that your body, the one that you showed up in today here is special and it is good. And I know some of us aren't really crazy about our bodies right now. And we hate Facebook memories that show us what we looked like 10 years ago. And I don't know what you said to yourself in the mirror this morning as you were getting ready to leave the house about your body. But the deepest truth about your body is that it is good. Even if it can't do all of the same stuff that it used to do, even if it hurts more than you want it to, even if that girl, that guy, that husband, that wife, that partner complained about it, the deepest truth about your body is that it is good. It was made good. And it will always be good. The first thing the Bible wants you to know about being human is that your body was made in the image of God. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs was the chief rabbi of the UK for a long period of his career. And this is what he says about Genesis one. He says in the ancient world, it was rulers, emperors, and pharaohs who were held to be the image of God. So what Genesis is saying was that we are all royalty. So in the ancient world, these pharaohs, emperors, rulers, they would put their image on everything. They would put it in temples and on coins, in statues all around the kingdom so that everyone in the kingdom would know that the Pharaoh, the emperor, the ruler was always present. And the way that God has chosen to populate the world with his presence is in your body, that you are in the image of God. And so why why do I tell you all of that? Why is that important? Because I want you to know something that our culture just papers over. You have a body. That body is good. Your body is important. It is a reflection of the living God. But you are not just a body. You are an embodied soul. why do we have bodies? Because your body is where your soul enacts its will in the world. What's happening in your soul finds its expression in your body. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who comes from God and dwells inside you? You are not your own. Which means that your body, my body, all bodies are stewardships. You didn't make it. You didn't create it. And even with all the cardio and yoga and weightlifting you do, you don't sustain it. God gave you a body, and that body is made in the image of God. It is inherently important, and what you do with your body is spiritual. You cannot separate the two. You can't go out on Saturday night and leave your soul at home. You can't go to work on Monday morning and leave your soul at home. You can't separate the two. And they are intrinsically tied. Beth Felker Jones puts it this way in her book, Faithful. She says, if our bodies don't really mean anything, then we will act as though we can assign them meaning at random. We will act, or others will act, as though our bodies, free of real meaning, can be used in a given moment for nothing but pleasure, or nothing but power, or nothing but selfishness, we will act as though bodies can be disregarded or discounted. We will act as though bodies can be used as commodities, bought and sold on the free market. And to know this is true, all you have to do is pick up a history book. Because from slavery, to war, to genocide, people have been trying to convince other people that only certain folks' bodies matter. But this goes against the water we're swimming in as a culture. Because our culture has certain beliefs about the body and if you listen really closely, the culture that we create, the culture we live in, that we're just a part of, has certain beliefs about what it means to have a body. And if you listen closely, it sounds like this. Human beings are just animals. We dress primates. We're apes with time and chance. Human nature is, it just is. There's no meaning or purpose to the human body other than evolutionary function or the propagation of the species. Sex is just play for grown ups. It's just biological release. That's all it is. People with disabilities, whether in mind or body, are to be endured or marginalized so the rest of us can get on with our lives. When grandma and grandpa's physical decline becomes too much, let's find a place to warehouse them until they die because their bodies have become too inconvenient. Do everything you can to look as young as you can for as long as you can because as soon as the belly pouches and the wrinkles creep, no one will want you anyway. Sign me up for Botox. Your body should not be what you want it to be. It should be what others want it to be. There is an ideal body that we should all want. Sex is about her body or his body or their body gratifying my body. And we believe all of that because 2,000 years later, Gnosticism. Is alive and well. And we want to believe that what we do with our bodies doesn't really matter. Or at least we want to believe that sometimes. One of the great modern-day heroes of the Christian faith is a man named Dr. Paul Brand. And he spent most of his career working with women and men suffering from leprosy. But before that, he worked in an army hospital during World War II, serving in his native England, treating RAF pilots who had been shot down in battle. And these men had been shot down in battle by the Nazis. Many of them suffered incredible burns. Their faces were scarred. And that was in the 40s. And reconstructive surgery wasn't everything that it is now but they did the very best they could to put these men back together. And Brand talks about the idea that after their surgery, the mirror became everything to these men, and that they would check the mirror every day for, pro- for pros- progress to see if they looked any different, if they were, if they were healing, if they were recognizable to themselves, and how, as the day that they were released drew closer, the airmen's anxiety would rise. And so, Brand told them that the only thing that matters is how your family and your friends receive you. And so, as they returned, all of these downed airmen were followed by psychologists to see how they were doing as they re-entered into their lives. And overwhelmingly, as they returned home to those friends and to that family, their friends and family, their spouses, could not handle the change in their body. And overwhelmingly, relationships ended. There was divorce they could not see past the body, could not get past the new face. And it strikes me that Western culture wants to tell us two things about our bodies and both can't be true. On the one hand, it wants to tell us that our bodies don't really matter all that much. So just do what you want, when you want, with who you want, how you want. As long as that body is pristine and ideal, whatever that is, that we wanna have it both ways, we want to say that what you do, your body doesn't matter, but it's the most important thing about you. And both those things can't be true. And I want to tell you that that kind of view of this body that was given to you by God is the very thing that's corroding the life of many of us and many of the people that we know and love. Your body and my body are important It is the location where we enact the will of our soul. And so often, we ask the wrong question about our bodies. We ask the question, what can I do? What shouldn't I do with my body? When maybe the better question, is what what does your soul want? The deepest desires, that part that we offer and sacrifice to God for formation and shaping, what is good for your soul? Because the body gets confused. The body gets confused when it's on its own. It gets confused with habits and appetites It's easily distracted. It gets tired and makes bad decisions. It gets in pain and makes bad decisions. What does your soul want to enact in the world? Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecthasiahouston.org.